This podcast is recorded on the ancestral lands of the Tongva people. Welcome to the Create Well podcast, where we explore the intersections of creativity, wellness, and entrepreneurship. I'm Ray Sadagosa, singer, songwriter, musician, roller skater, dog lover. And you can find my work on Instagram at, at Ray Sadagosa. And I'm Erica Ivan, painter, small business launcher, and a former figure skater, very <laughs> <Yeah>. unprofessionally. <laughs> you can find my work on IG at, at Erica Ivan. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking with Nicole Cardoza about creating and the creative imagination. Yay! They said if I want to make it, gotta starve and stress and sell. But if I'm gonna be an artist, well, I wanna create well. Yeah, you gotta create well. Happy birthday, Create Well. <laughs> ten, ten years old today. Double digits. Episodes. <laughs> ten years. <laughs> ten long years. Can you imagine if we were doing this ten years from now? Oh, my God. That'd be really I'm cute. So down. I'm so down. How old would we be? I'll be 20. No, I won't. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be 29? No. I'll be 37, and you'll be 39. Dang. Oh, my gosh. So official. So, wow. So, I'm in the process of like start I'm in the process of starting the process of thinking about amazing very <laughs> um, forward thinking of you getting a, a dog Ooh! and so um I was thinking today about you know like let's say I got a puppy or or something like I said I'm in the beginning of the process of thinking about the process <laughs> so this is just like all very <laughs> hypothetical but you know I could have the dog for like 15 20 years right crazy so yeah i was like oh my gosh like this dog could be my life until i'm like in my late 40s or something what yeah so i don't know it's that's exciting that's so it's quite cool. a commitment it's it a is. cool commitment it is a commitment but like i am so excited about the commitment and i'm like historically been like a fear of commitment kind of person generally i'm, I'm either mm. one or the other you know i feel like with dating i'm either like let's do this let's like be together <laughs> till we die or i'm like stay away don't like don't take away my independence there's no gray there's area. no gray area so i think with this dog though i'm like i just want to i have so much love to give especially with quarantine i'm just like i want to just give something my yes. love so hashtag single hashtag i need a puppy yeah <laughs> so um, good yeah so how are you feeling um i've been like very anxious lately even in the last week mm -hmm. and i don't know all of the reasons for that mm -hmm. i'm definitely it's interesting it was it was last week we talked about rhythm right mm -hmm. so i've been really actually working towards some like older rhythms that okay. were really healthy for me like one i've been playing the same song every morning and i used to do mm. this it's do you know who john hopkins is he's a musician like soundscape musician no not maybe no he has this gorgeous song called immunity and i used mm. to listen to it every morning well wow. and now i'm putting it on every morning again and like going back to some of these like simpler practices i'm doing like a sketch every day mm -hmm. for like this is all like yeah. random art stuff but inktober yeah. 
people in October. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's cute. That. In October, like I don't know where it started. It's definitely a social media art trend if yeah. you like do any type of visual art and you do one sketch every day through all of October. So I'm like in that rhythm, which is good, but I'm just like really high anxiety. Yeah. That's a little bit undefinable. Sure. Well, the first thing I'll say is everyone should participate in Inktober out there. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's like our first challenge. But I feel you. I've also been really high anxiety. Yeah. The past couple of weeks. I feel a little bit better the past couple of days because mm. um, I got a couple of days of nature. But um, I've been feeling high anxiety. And I think that the one, the change of seasons is yeah. something that exacerbates anything because we're going through transition right now. Mm. Um Two, just like the election coming up is super anxiety inducing. Um, and there was a full moon <laughs> and um, COVID. We still are living yeah. in a pandemic. And I think that sometimes these things come in waves where we f- almost forget um, that we're living yeah. in a completely different reality um, and that things are very different. Um, and this is not normal. And so I feel you. And I think that. I also need to just really focus on my rhythms and rituals um, to get myself out of this loop. Um, and also, you know, like Anjali Deva, uh, she always tells me, and Anjali is the one who we interviewed last week. So if you haven't listened to the interview yet, I highly suggest it. Um, some of the best ways to um, kind of bring yourself down from anxiety is sleep. And so um, if you're not sleeping very well, um, whenever you feel tired during the day, even if you get like a 10 minute, 20 minute nap, just give that to yourself. Mm. Um, Even if like I literally like the next couple of weeks, I'm like whenever I feel like sleeping and I can't sleep, I will sleep, you know. Mm. So sleep is really good. Um, Baths are really good. Um, Hot tea, hot um, things just to bring yourself back down to the earth. Yeah. Meditation, focusing on your feet. Go walk on the sand. Um, and she was telling me, cause you know, I have my record coming out and I'm super stressed about it. And she was like, Ray, just like give yourself permission to be like a B minus student, you know, <laughs> I love that. especially if you're, if you're anxious, like just give yeah. yourself some, like, just like let yourself not be an overachiever for a couple of weeks. Mm. Just do what you got to do. And that's it. Thanks, you Ray. know, yeah, <laughs> we need that reminder sometimes yeah. because. It's, it's unsustainable to always be an A-plus student. Mm. Um, and also, like, usually the output that we put out, like, is the same. It's just really in our heads mm. about how hypercritical and how, like, hyper aware right. we are of how... Like, and how much done. we, like, ruminate on stuff. Yeah. I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes you just got to trust yourself. You're like, this is good. Okay, send it out. We're good. Yeah. You know, if someone has an issue with the quality of it, they can tell you. Um, so I feel that, and... Yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling about this week? You have your album coming up and Yeah. I have talked about this on the pod a little bit, but releasing music for me is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um it feels very unnatural. It feels like my diary entries are being put on display. Mm. Um but I'm also really excited about it. I've been working for this for like over pretty much like two I started writing this record like two years ago, two and a half years ago. And um so it feels kinda crazy. Um I think releasing music makes make I I just kind of put this together right now in my head, but I think releasing music makes me feel really lonely, mm. and I don't know why because my fans 
are literally the most amazing people they on are. planet Earth. <laughs> I love reading what people <laughs> write to you and shout send out you. <laughs> yeah, shout out to all like the Razor Goza fans. Um, they're amazing and like literally are asking me like what can we do to help you right now like what can we do to be there for you what can we do to like help launch this album way to build a community though like that uh, that's really (laughs) incredible super sweet yeah but it's funny how i feel this loneliness because i guess it's just it's just it's just vulnerability yeah it's vulnerability and i think that something that people don't uh guess about me is that actually being vulnerable is really hard for me Mm. i'm yeah I'm an extrovert. I'm so out there and everything. But usually when I'm vulnerable and I talked about this with Anjali, it's usually like I'm going to be vulnerable in like a pretty pink package that I get to <laughs> like tie up I and present yeah. and upload, you know, and that's oh how social gosh. media is. No matter how vulnerable <gasps> we are on it, we are being vulnerable on our own terms. Right. And we're we're literally like steeped in that to the point where I don't think we th- I don't think about it. Like when yeah. you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I for sure do that. Yeah. It's presentational I vulnerability. I make it look really nice. Yeah. All my struggles. Yeah. yeah. It's polished. It's like, mm-hmm. we. how many times we read through it, we edit it. It's, it's edited vulnerability. Yeah. You know? And um, <laughs> and so I think that with releasing the record, um, I usually write songs. I try to write songs from the place of like never expecting that anyone will hear them. And generally, mm-hmm. when I do write from that place, they're the best songs. Yeah. Like when I wrote They Say, I oh, literally, when I wrote They Say, when I wrote In the River, when I wrote American Dream, some of like the songs that people have uh, resonated with most, those were the songs where I was like, this is one that's for me and I'm not going to share. And of course, it ends up being one of the better ones and then I end up sharing it. And so I think for me, releasing music feels like a less controlled form of vulnerability than like social media posts or writing essays or mm. things or, or even podcasting. Like it feels like with the music, it feels like I, it came from a place where I wasn't actually ready to show it and now I have to show it. Yeah. And, um, this is like where my, my truest, deepest, most difficult artistry lives. And that's why I think I'm always going to be first and foremost, a singer songwriter, but it's scary and it's happening in 18 days. So oh. no. And at the same time, you're doing a bunch of things with like the get out the vote. And so where, yeah. where are you at with that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, so like I, I interviewed Deb Holland about the importance of voting and the importance mm-hmm. of the native vote and also like women of color voting. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, like as people of color, I know that we have felt like historically this system has not been our system. It hasn't been one that has looked out for us. Um, but like Deb Holland, she said in our interview, which you can find on my Instagram or anywhere on my my socials, um, about how voting is like an obligation to our ancestors. Like our ancestors worked mm-hmm. so hard for us to be able to have the right to participate in a system that affects us on the, on the daily. And generally the system affects marginalized, less privileged people than it does the privileged. Like we're voting for those who benefit from... Uh, you know, services and yeah. the, we need to have these services yeah. and we need to be protecting our more vulnerable communities. And so by not voting, um, we're just staying silent during those time during those issues. And so I'm a big advocate for voting. Um, and it's not just about the president presidential election. It's also about what's down the ballot. So yeah. What are your thoughts on, on voting right now? Erica? <laughs> My thoughts are I've, I've seen, and I've heard it in person, actually, a couple murmurs 
of white folks who thankfully don't support Trump, but Mm -hmm. equally in my mind as egregious are thinking of writing somebody else in. And so I'm just in this place of like, we as white folks need to be holding each other accountable right now to the fact that by doing some sort of rebellious, whatever I get, like, I'm not a Biden fan, whatever, but it's not about that right now. It's, it's not even like a conversation of lesser of two evils. It's like, Mm -hmm. we have a responsibility as the folks that built such a disastrous broken system where these are our options to move in the direction that is at least seminally the right word, Mm -hmm. somewhat hopeful, (laughs) like somewhat there's a little bit more room and then our, our additional responsibility. That's the easy part actually is then to continue engaging with direct action, engaging with our communities, listening to BIPOC leaders who are, and kind of what we're talking about today, listening to the people that are creating a new way. Yes. That are actually reimagining the systems and the structures. Exactly. And so I think for white folks, simple decision who to vote for right now (laughs) we just need to do it we need to get rid of trump everyone yeah Um, and then and then engage 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 with the work daily which again relates to who we have on on the show today and what we're talking about today which is the creative imagination yay so can you tell me a bit about what the creative imagination is exactly the creative imagination i think there's a lot of different definitions out there but The one that for me resonates the most, and you can unpack this in a lot of different ways, is that you're creating out of nothing. Mm. So it's the ability to see something before it exists and bring it into being. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a practice that I don't think we're not necessarily always taught or Mm. not encouraged in that direction. Often like with, things like math and science and mm-hmm. stuff and this like more structured yeah. um way like we learn from how it was done yeah. yeah so we we replicate and we replicate wow and so this the creative imagination certainly links to critical thinking mm-hmm. like being able to think critically but i think it even takes it a step beyond that into um yeah, pulling pulling things into being, into mm. existing in the world that might not have existed in mm. that same iteration before. And that takes such bravery. Yeah. To, to be, you're truly like um, a trailblazer. Like you're... Right. You're the, f- I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I think especially as like for BIPOC folks, um, a lot of times you're entering spaces where someone who looks like you has hardly yeah. ever been in that space. And and that in itself is creative imagination to, mm-hmm. to, to imagine that you can thrive and exist in that space. Mm. Um, and I think that Nicole um, speaks to that so well. And she's very inspiring for me mm-hmm. um, as a human being and as a, a woman of color entrepreneur as well. And so can you tell us a little bit more about Nicole? Yeah, I kind of want to read part of her bio on her site. And I mm-hmm. threw in a couple other things yeah. because she's such a prolific creative so uh, she's an award-winning serial social entrepreneur investor author and public speaker making wellness accessible for everyone she's the founder of the nonprofit yoga foster which brings mindfulness to kids and I met her when she was kind of predominantly in that iteration of the work she was doing 
Um, she's launched multiple apps, um, wow. all, all kind of dealing with wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, she launched Reclamation Ventures, which supports underestimated wellness entrepreneurs. It's a mm-hmm. fund. Um, recently, she launched um, Anti-Racism Daily, which is a daily newsletter um, that unpacks what's going on currently in the world through the lens of anti-racism. Mm. Uh, her work is 100% dedicated to closing the racial and socioeconomic divides in the wellness industry, which she's done by investing more than $3 million in direct funding programs and other resources into communities that need it most. Um, You can find articles about her everywhere. I mean, she's truly, um, truly changing, you know, the systems and structures and multiple facets of the world right now. Um, And I'm so grateful (laughs) she she sat down with us for a bit because I think just hearing um, some about her lineage, some about her practices, some about just how she cares for herself Mm -hmm. in the midst um, of bringing all these things into being in the world. Um, It's just an honor to hear that and and learn from her process and her self-care and care for others. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to the interview and um, her talk about like the wellness gap. Yeah. And about the being able to choose, you know, to be, to take care of yourself and to be well and to choose wellness and mm-hmm. how that is something that we've underestimated as such a, a space that has been made for like the privileged, you know, yeah. and that um, it's something that. We want, she wants to close that gap and make sure that everyone has that choice to take right. care of themselves and to put self-care, um, you know, as a part of their daily practice. And, um, yeah, anyway, she's, I, I, there's not much I can say about her that she's, that you're not going to talk about in the interview because you did such a great job. And, um, I just am so speechless with, um, just feel very inspired by her and it's really, um, folks like Nicole uh that really remind me that like as a woman of color I can I can do anything Mm -hmm. and I think that that reminder is something that we need to as as women of color we need to constantly like I never underestimate how much I need that reminder Mm -hmm. because like even right now as like a 27 year old like somewhat successful singer-songwriter yeah um I still need that reminder all the time that I'm capable. Um, yeah. And so Nicole is a great reminder that I am capable because mm. look what she's done and mm-hmm. we can all continue to continue to inspire each other and to build that collective creative imagination. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yay. Let's, well, let's, let's hear the interview. Let's hear it. <laughs> Hi, Nicole. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for jumping on with me. It's crazy to be connecting over a podcast. And I think, oh my gosh, so much has changed over the last months. Can you, um, can you let me know like where you are right now and, um, where you're calling home right now? Sure. So I have recently moved to Austin, Texas. So this is what I am currently calling home for the foreseeable future. Yes. And you were just in Alaska for a while, which I wanted to see you there so badly. But also when I see your videos of the spiders there, I'm like, 
I don't know if it's worth it. Alaska <laughs> was so beautiful. We both oh. have to go. I think you would really appreciate. Mm-hmm. I was in Southeast Alaska, and I think you'd appreciate um, the relationship between the earth and the sea and the mountains. Oh. Um, the spiders were just a small, <laughs> a small part of the experience, but I absolutely love them. They're still seared in my memory, but yes, you're, I mean, I'm so glad you were there, especially like seeing, you know, watching from afar this, this period of your life, because it looks just so healing to be by the water and to be by nature. And, um, you just got to walk in that every day and soak it in and it, it looked incredible. So it it really was. But now I have to come see you in Texas. So that'll happen soon, hopefully, COVID pending. <laughs> um, so I, I've introduced you a bit in the intro to this on the podcast, but um, can you introduce yourself first by talking some about the work that you were doing three or four years ago when I met you, we were in Seattle, and then kind of talking about where you've expanded into right now. Because I think for those listening, your expansion and your your um, the different directions you've, you've grown in and moved in are so inspiring. <laughs> so yeah, can you introduce yourself a little bit in that context? Sure. Uh, so I started my, I don't know, career, I guess, or at least this path. Um, working in a nonprofit. So I started a nonprofit organization called Yoga Foster that brings yoga and mindfulness to schools um, across the United States. And um, love that work. I've, I've, I've learned so much from growing a nonprofit organization. Um, and, but my work became more than just what the organization does. Because in order to increase the health equity in schools, I realized there are so many other conversations around what does the wellness gap look like more broadly in America and how does that impact not just our schools, but the communities that those schools serve um, and the people, the practitioners that are trying to make this practice happen. And also, I had to start analyzing the, the broader conversation of the opportunities available for entrepreneurs um, like me, entrepreneurs mm. of color, female entrepreneurs, black female entrepreneurs. And so um, my work's really evolved with my learning and the discovery process of starting that company. And it's expanded into speaking more on the wellness gap and um, equitable opportunities for entrepreneurs. I've started a fund to invest in other entrepreneurs like me doing things like Yoga Foster um, and creating more spaces for these conversations around inequity to thrive, which um, kind of sparked uh, the latest newsletter that I have called the Anti-Racism Daily, which um, dedicates a newsletter each and every day to outline how racism persists in America. So it's taken me on a bunch of different paths and Mm -hmm. I'm always still like, there's a lot more, there's many more conversations I want to have in in different mediums, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm really appreciating how my work is evolving and how it helps me grow. Yeah. And can you just give a basic definition of the wellness gap that you're, you're talking about? 
Yeah. So to me, the wellness wellness is the capacity to choose what we do with our bodies, how our bodies show up in space, and how we mm-hmm. take care of them, whether that's through something like yoga and meditation or rest and restoration or sexual well-being, um, you name it. Mm-hmm. And the wellness gap is the systemic and political structures that are put in place that prevent all of us from making that choice. Yeah. So and, we know that right now wellness is the choice for well-being is really limited to those with significant financial opportunities and those that represent dominant culture. Yeah, and you you have been navigating in kind of kind of within the the system of well you've navigated in that system of wellness that is is locally often built on on white supremacy ideals. And I've I've seen in your writing and in your interviews before this kind of draw to leave that space or to stay in it and change it. And where are you at right now in your processing of that space? That's a good question. I I'm still in both. I don't think I can do this work without having one foot out <laughs> the door, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it having my foot rooted in spaces that feel more whole and feel more creative and inspiring to me than the industry, the wellness industry itself. Mm. Um, So I feel like not being, not having both feet in is an act of self-preservation for me. Mm. And I do still question how much longer my work will be in the wellness industry because there is so much that has to be shaped outside of the industry in order for the industry itself to change. Yeah. I think. And as I, w- I was writing notes for our conversation today, and I kept coming back to, I, I think I had written to you early on that maybe we'll talk about creating in the direction of healing. Because mm-hmm. when I when I look at the um, wide range of work that you do from writing children's books mm-hmm. to, um, to the anti-racism daily newsletter, which is one of the newer iterations of the incredible <laughs> work you do to yoga foster um and 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 then the the fund to invest in in leaders in the industry I kept coming back to this idea of the creative imagination and that you see things that don't exist before they exist in the world and your your career seems to move from that space of like calling something out of nothing um can you talk about creating creating really out of nothing or creating what's never been there before? Um, and maybe more specifically about creating out of brokenness. I I tend to approach my work from like a place of conjuring. And I know you and I have had a whole other conversation around my love for stage magic. Um, yes. but I think that's what inspires it. As I my work grows and I become more confident in myself as a leader and as a creator. Um, I want to keep challenging myself to create things that don't exist and to leverage like the power and the privilege I have to just to try something new, you know, because the, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that it can completely fail, you know, (laughs) and not have any help and not make an impact. And so I think the sooner we can figure out what doesn't work, the sooner Mm. we can imagine the world that we want to live in and the systems and solutions that do. 
Mm. And so. I think that's for me, I, it's part of, I mean, I love you as a friend and I admire you as a, a powerful woman in the world who's, who is pulling things out of nothing. And some of that relates to painting to me because for me my painting practice is about bringing something out of the messiness or bringing something out of nothing and seeing what emerges and you do that in this tangible creative way in the physical realm um and like you said there's magic to that um and I I think part of the the struggle with whiteness and identity with um systems of whiteness is that we have intentionally um, deadened that ability to think so critically and creatively. Um, uh, and so, so I see that in the leaders that we're looking to today, that you have this vibrant <laughs> creative imagination. And I, I was listening to your interview with Leila Saad mm. and she asked you about, um, uh, you know, your ancestors and you spoke about your great grandmother who used to feed the whole neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it's the same echo of pulling, you said that there was always abundance of food, like there was always enough food. Um, and that echoes in your work, the the way that you nurture in abundance. Um, so as far as the creative imagination, do you feel it's something that's inherited? Is it something we can cultivate within us? How do you see it? I believe we all have the capacity to dream. I don't think mm-hmm. that any of us are born with a, a, a more innate sense of creative imagination than another, you know, like, I don't think mm-hmm. that the creator, if you believe in that was like giving one person a teaspoon and the other person right. a tablespoon. <laughs> um, but I do think it takes nurturing. And mm-hmm. I think like what you mentioned, uh, you know, whiteness, white supremacy um, by default has mm-hmm. deadened Um, creative imagination in so many marginalized communities Um, Mm. and is quick to say that the way that we dream is not the right way to dream. And you see that from the superhero movies that we watch to the Disney movies that tell you what love is supposed to look like, Mm. you know, you name it. And so I think that we I think we need new models for imagination. We need new definitions for imagination and more visualizations of imagination. And um, I also think we need to create time for each of us to nurture um, our beliefs and our visualizations and our daydreams and our fantasies because everything that we see in the world was once somebody's fantasy made real. Mm. Um, and that oftentimes was limited to a very specific group of people, right? That mm. have created what we see as broken, but was somebody's fantasy. Somebody mm. dreamed for this world to be the the way it is and dreamt for this presidency to look the way it does. And so mm. um, I do think everybody has a capacity and it's not an easy thing to invest in if it's marketed as fanciful or wasteful to do. Um, but it's necessary because that's the only way that we transform this world. And that's so interesting. I got chills when you were talking about how white supremacy has has worked to deaden the creative imagination in 
by POC folks or the folks that white supremacy we choose to oppress mm-hmm. because I, when I have processed it, I've felt like we've deadened our own creative imagination as white folks that we've like taken our own ability, but maybe what it is more is that we've used our crea- creative imaginations to cause harm. Like you said, mm-hmm. this presidency is somebody's, somebody's creation and vision and dream um, and so can I, I guess I rom- maybe romanticize the creative imagination as something that would always move in the direction of healing, but that's not necessarily inherent to how it's used. That's a really good point. You know, I, I'm not sure. I think, I mean, from my perspective, I can speak to, you know, when I think about dream and imagination and fantasy, it's so rarely depicted people like me at the center. You know, what was portrayed mm-hmm. in media? Don't get me yeah. wrong, it exists. Um, but when I think about what the society centers, it's the knight in shining armor. And the knight is always, you know, oh. an able-bodied white young male, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, even that in itself is so limiting, even within um, you know, I, I would imagine that's even I, limiting for those that identify as white. Um, mm. So there, I do think that there is a really narrow mind of it. But yeah, I don't think that always creative imagination yields um, what we would see as like equitable and positive results. Mm. Um, you can have fantasies and delusions that are very harmful. Um wow. So I think that in, 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 in from any, any background, right. Uh, yeah. it's not just dominant culture. And so, um, I think, you know, as I think about this, I wonder what is the, the conversation, not just for cultivating creative imagination, but also cultivating the, the ethics and the morality mm. that can help guide that imagination. Cause otherwise it can be really damaging. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. So maybe you you talked about nurturing it and maybe that piece of nurturing it is, you know, part of nurturing the ethics and morals around it. Can you talk about how you have nurtured your creative imagination, particularly in times that, you know, maybe the industry would call it pivoting times, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but those would maybe point to something more like trauma or pain. Um, And if you want to talk about anti-racism daily even um and and just that kind of pivot for you and and how did you nurture that process sure um generally speaking I feel like anything that connects me more deeply to my voice is a good direction for me to go in at least Mm -hmm. in this time of my life because I throughout most of my career as an entrepreneur which entrepreneurship has been like my primary creative expression as, as an adult, I mm. would say. Um, although I don't think that's the case for everybody. That's just the, the, the lens of which I'm looking at creative. I love that. Right um, <laughs> a lot of my journey as an entrepreneur was about like, I felt like I had to be quiet and I had to play a game and I couldn't be too controversial mm. in my work. And so right now it's like anything where I feel like I can reclaim my voice is um, a place that I want to lean into. And the anti-racism daily was was that. It was like um, just having an outlet every day to talk about the historical context of the, the news that we're reading today. Mm. Um, that just felt like a, an expression. And I didn't do that because I wanted to start another company. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think a lot of people will be like, oh, you start so many things. You're pivoting all the time. And it's like, 
I don't wake up and say, this is going to be a company and this is the business model and this is the value proposition. I just want this thing to exist. And so I'm going to use the tools of entrepreneurship Mm. to see if I can put that together. Because I know how to put together an email list. I know how to Right. <laughs> Anti-racism daily is quite simple. It's words on, on paper, digital paper that's sent to people that sign up that want to receive it. And, you know, <laughs> not to like break You're it down. So funny. Way, it's quite simple. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. And so people think that I'm, I'm coming into it with a business mind and it's more mm-hmm. of like, I just want this to be out there, you know, and these are my tools. I played the piano growing up my whole life. And maybe yeah. if I had a piano with me on the road, what is the anti-racism daily would look different. Oof. Do you know what I that's, mean? That's amazing. But this is just what? what I <laughs> How would a piano transform anti-racism daily? Oh my gosh. I mean, I, don't, well, I have no idea, but you know. Like- no, but I love that because it's like you've worked with what you have. And again, that's the magic of it. And that's, I think in conversations over the years with you, like, I remember at one point saying, how did you learn all of this? Because all, you know, I've called you at various times and been like, hey, what's an LLC? But, (laughs) you know, you're like, I Googled it. Or, you know, you listen, you intake, you're like a sponge for information, but you also make it look so fun and accessible. Like you model the accessibility of crash coursing through what it is to be an entrepreneur Mm. and and I think you make it look like this joyful and difficult and beautiful and messy art form and um that's what I mean there's so many things that make you an incredible leader but that is certainly one of them um and just speaks to you as an artist I love thinking about the piano (laughs) in relation (laughs) to your your newsletter that's brilliant Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's, I'm fine. I'm trying to figure out ways to express myself and the tools that I have with me mm-hmm. usually is a computer and a laptop. And that's, that's what I've got. And I really mm-hmm. am passionate about so many different um, creative expressions that I've been inspired by people's podcasts, books that I've read. They come from very traditional tools and I hear about them through the internet, which you know, as, mm. as much, um, there's a lot of harm with how our internet is, is you know, in terms of su- surveillance and access to bandwidth across the country. Right. There's a lot of inequities with access to internet, but it is also a really um, incredible unifier because there are so many things that I have access to and you have access to mm. to help communicate. And so I've just found the role, this idea of starting um quote unquote companies, but like starting ideas and putting them out there um, as such an easeful way for me to communicate. You know, I've been studying magic for four years now and I love stage magic, but stage magic is a much more difficult art form for me to express myself with. And it'll take some time. And I don't have a piano. I love writing music. I know you do too. Mm-hmm. And that's just not as accessible to me when I'm, I've been living on the road for the past two years. Right. I hope a piano is in your near future with your new space. (laughs) Um, I just have a couple more questions for you, Nicole. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about, we could dive into each branch of your work, I think, but is there, is there a thread that, or roots 
that feel like they connect each of the branches of the work that you do? I think for me, it's, it's all about well-being, um, mm. that capacity to choose um, the spaces that we occupy and the spaces that we create. That's really important to me. I want to reclaim what it means to be well um, or have not reclaim what it means to be well as definition, but provide spaces and opportunities for all of us to reclaim what it means to be well for ourselves. And um, I think that takes dismantling the, the status quo and, and calling out and calling in um, the brokenness of the current system, which is what mm. anti-racism daily does, um, mm. and also investing and reimagining the future. And that's what things like Yoga Foster can do and investing in other um, organizations can do. And some of the other projects I have coming up are really looking at um, forward approach um, as opposed to the historical kind of um, looking back. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, yeah. Moving or kind of in both directions, the looking Mm -hmm. back and moving forward simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you you somewhat answered this in that last question, but we always ask this at the end of our interviews. What does creating well mean to you? Mm, right now, creating well for me means focusing on projects that fill me up, that fill up my mm. Um, I'm going to take that as like a very personal kind of um, reminder for myself um, is that I only want to work on things that uh, encourage me to wake up in the morning, that put me mm-hmm. in relationship with people that I care about, um, that challenge me and stretch me uh, in the directions of where I want to grow. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. I know you're um, operating in so many different directions and just um, bringing, you know, creating like we talked about in the direction of healing, not just personally, like you just spoke to, but also for so many people, um, you offer so much light to us. So thank you. Where can people find your work? What would you like them to engage with right now? Thank you so much. And thank you for this podcast and for this space. Um, You can follow me at Nicole A. Cardoza on Instagram. And yeah, I just love to see you all there. Yay. All (laughs) right. Thank you so much. Good luck with your move. And um, we'll we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Love you. Okay. Love you. And now for the Create Well Challenge of the Week. This week, the Create Well Challenge is to identify a need you see in the world, whether it's personal or communal, and determine a creative way to meet that need. So if you need more rest, maybe you turn off your phone an hour earlier, or if you see that your neighbor is hungry, maybe you buy them a gift card to a local restaurant. So just allow yourself some space and time to see a need and and come up with a creative way to fill it. Thank you for journeying with us in creating well. If you're interested in supporting us, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash create well. Our Patreon followers will have exclusive access to monthly live Q&As, extra photo content, and giveaways. 
Thank you to our first patron executive producer, Susan Anderson Nelson. And this week's featured song is my song, Red. And a little bit about this song. I was attending an event in Winnipeg, Manitoba, when someone told me, don't go walking alone at night. They've been finding Native women in the Red River. This comment made a shiver go through my spine. I knew that the epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous women was rampant throughout North America, but that night I dug deeper into the stories of women who went missing on Highway 16 and discovered how impossible it is to find information of how many women have gone missing. On Monday, September 22nd, Savannah's Act was passed in the House. This bill requires law enforcement to create protocols and guidelines for response to missing or murdered Indigenous people. I hope this bill is the beginning of more legislation being passed to protect Indigenous women. So many women and girls, like Savannah LaFontaine Greywind, have left us far too soon. I urge everyone to uh, look up more about missing and murdered Indigenous women and consider donating to SovereignBodies.org. That's Sovereign-Bodies.org. Um, they have started a database for missing and murdered Indigenous women. And uh, this is Red. Don't go out in the rain Don't go out in the night It happens every day just vanish from sight Don't go walking alone Speak to who you don't know They've been finding your sisters In the Red River In the Red River Who will 
search for the missing Tell the stories untold Don't forget the light Of those we lost in the night Cause they've abandoned your sisters